Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Tossing and turning all night like a salad? It's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. I'm Jill, and today I'm going to talk about losing the motivation to stay sober. Sometimes we say we don't want to drink anymore, but what we really mean is we want to drink without the consequences. Your intention matters, and if you're carrying around hopes and dreams of drinking again someday, then you'll probably drink again someday. In this episode, I want to explain why even when sobriety, your life, your job, and your relationships are a priority for you, you still might end up drinking, and then later you're left wondering why you always do this to yourself. So let's dig in. (music) 
I read an amazing review article that was published in 2020, and I want to share a quote with you. They were talking about how addiction isn't a habit, which is something that I really believe. I talked about why drinking isn't just a bad habit in episode 28, but think about it. Think about a bad habit that you have and compare it to your drinking. I used to bite my nails when I was a kid. It was really hard for me to stop, but my mom promised me when I was nine years old that I could get a manicure at this really fancy place if I stopped. I valued the manicure more than my bad habit, so I stopped. It wasn't easy and sometimes I forgot and automatically bit my nails. But the key is, once I stopped, I never dealt with compulsive thoughts or triggers to bite my nails. I don't wonder if I can bite them again. I don't resist urges. I just stopped. This is why drinking isn't just a bad habit, because our habits are automatic. They're a background thing. We don't obsess over them, and we just do them without thinking. And if you think about your drinking, we spend a lot of time thinking about it. It's not a background thing. It's not an automatic behavior. So I explain more in episode 28 and compare a habit loop with an addictive loop. But in this paper, they were discussing relapse and how addiction isn't just habitual. And they said, addiction is pathological, not because it is automatic, but because negative states powerfully drive up expected drug value, acutely outweighing other goals, such as a job, abstinence, family, and health, resulting in a return to drug use despite wishes to the contrary expressed at other times. The value that we place on drinking isn't static, it's always changing. I'm completely making this up, but let's pretend the value scale goes from 0 to 100. I have a baseline value of alcohol at around a 10 because I still romanticize it, still sometimes wish that I could be, you know, quote, normal, stuff like that. I'm about to travel to LA to present at the biggest podcasting conference on stage. It's called Podcast Movement. iHeartRadio is throwing us a party on a rooftop with an open bar and Paris Hilton DJing. So I'm not even kidding. It's a really big event. There are parties and happy hours every single night. So when I get there, I might value alcohol around a 30 because I'm watching other people drink. The drinks are free. It looks fancy and I want to be part of the group. And when I fly home from LA, my value of alcohol will go back down to its baseline value of 10. Romanticizing does get some people and in these situations you can think, Oh, I'll just have one, I'll start again tomorrow, or you talk yourself into how it's been long enough. And if you're struggling with this, I talk about romanticizing alcohol in episode 79. What gets a lot of people, though, is triggers. In episode 55, I described the first time I was ever triggered in my sobriety, the first time that I ever really craved a drink. When this trigger happened, the value that I placed on alcohol shot up from a 10 to probably an 80. I knew that alcohol would make those feelings go away. It was how I always dealt with this trigger in the past. I felt hopeless and worthless, and I felt so overwhelmed I didn't know what else to do to calm down. Eventually, the value I placed on alcohol relaxed back down, but it took time, and this is where most people fall off and drink. It's not because you're a loser who can't do anything right. It's because in whatever moment that got you, your value of alcohol shot up way above baseline, way above the value you place on sobriety and everything that it brings, and you gave into it. Take it or leave it drinkers, normies, social drinkers, whatever you want to call them, 
value alcohol pretty low on the scale. They don't see alcohol as a solution like we do, so they don't value it very highly. When they're in social settings, their expected value of alcohol increases a bit, but when they have triggers, the value of alcohol doesn't shoot up like it does for us. And you can't change how your brain values alcohol. We talked in episode 81 about motivations to drink for social drinkers and problem drinkers, so I recommend checking that one out too. Understanding why we can never become a take-it-or-leave-it drinker helps make alcohol a non-negotiable in your life. And that is why I'm almost two and a half years sober, because alcohol is a non-negotiable. It's not even something that I consider. So in that episode, I described a 2021 study that looked at self-reported reasons for drinking. People with alcohol use disorder report stress coping, craving for alcohol, and reduction of anxiety or depression. Non-addicted controls report facilitation of social interaction. Alcohol isn't their go-to for coping with stress or mental health, and that's the difference. That's why we value alcohol so much, because it solves a problem for us. It doesn't actually solve anything, but we believe that it helps with anxiety, depression, stress, triggers, loneliness, boredom, etc. And social drinkers don't think that way. They just drink when they socialize because it makes them feel more comfortable. So if we go back to this quote, addiction is pathological, not because it is automatic, but because negative states powerfully drive up expected drug value, acutely outweighing other goals such as a job, abstinence, family and health, resulting in a return to drug use despite wishes to the contrary expressed at other times. Think about the value that you place on sobriety, doing well at your job, meeting your health goals, being a good partner or family member. Maybe that values like 50 to 70 on the made up value scale. If something happens and your value for alcohol shoots up close to 100, then even though you still value sobriety and all the positive things it brings into your life, in that moment, alcohol is the solution. It's the most important thing. It's the only thing that will help. And so you drink. It's not that we don't care and that we're selfish people. It's that sometimes alcohol becomes the most important thing. And that's just because the way that our brain interacts with alcohol. Waiting to get the motivation to stop drinking or looking at inspirational content online isn't enough. You need to understand that this is what's going on in your head and know how to handle it. And the best way I think to do this is by collecting data on your drinking. Has it ever been different? Has it ever actually been long enough? Has alcohol ever improved any of your problems? If you went back to drinking recently, then take some time to analyze the event. That's where you can grow and learn and be better in the future. You can learn something from each time you drink if you're willing to look at it without excuses, without blaming others, and without shaming yourself. When you know the facts, it becomes easier to make alcohol a non-negotiable. I'm not asking for you to get sick of drinking and decide, you know, I don't want to do that anymore or feel grateful for your sobriety. Some people do, and some people just think that's dumb. So if that's you, and gratitude, and getting sick of hangovers doesn't help you, then work on learning the truth about your drinking and making alcohol a non-negotiable. For me, saying that I can't drink 
helps me. It's just something that I can't do, so it's never something I consider doing because I know I can't do it. So when my value for alcohol shot up to an 80 when I was triggered this past summer, I told myself, you can't do that. So what else can you do? And then, you know, my mind went to other self-destructive things like never eat again for the rest of your life. But eventually I started listing out healthier activities like going on a rage walk. And if you don't know the rage walk, I will link a quick six minute YouTube video I made on it. It's funny and hopefully it helps your sobriety. Change consists of a few stages. Drinking with no intention of stopping, thinking about changing but having an ambivalent attitude, and action, quitting drinking and adopting a healthier lifestyle. Many of us stay stuck in the wanting to change but not really wanting to do anything about it stage. And there are several factors that influence what motivational level you will be at. Demographics, stress, severity of alcohol dependence, severity of drinking consequences, psychiatric comorbidities, quality of life, and if you think your life would be better if you stopped drinking. That's a big one for many of us, that we think our life would be worse if we stopped drinking, or we don't think it would improve very much. It creates this why bother type of attitude. You might feel like your life is hopeless either way. Things never work out for you. Or maybe you're struggling with an illness and feel hopeless about that. This makes it hard to see the value in not drinking. And feeling why bother about your life is one of the worst feelings that we can experience. Don't defeat yourself. Motivation doesn't last forever. And once the initial inspiration and motivation fades, we drink again. This is why personal development can be a drug too in a way. Gurus make us feel so inspired, but don't really tell us how to take action on anything. And then when the inspiration fades and we relax back to our normal life, we feel like it's our fault and we need to go get some inspiration again. Inspiration isn't going to change your life. What I want you to understand from this episode is that the value you place on alcohol is always changing depending on your situation. By learning to be objective about your drinking and look at the facts instead of your feelings or hopes about it, you can get through the tough times when your value of alcohol jumps up to nearly 100. And it's not a willpower thing either. It's by recognizing that even though alcohol will fix all of your problems, it won't fix them an hour from now, So you need to select something else to do. So what you need to ask yourself is, do you actually want to stop drinking or are you ultimately just hoping that you can find a way to drink without the consequences? Maintaining your hopes and dreams of drinking again someday is going to keep you stuck in the cycle of going back and forth and make you miss out on the joys of sobriety. The consequences that I have from drinking are massive anxiety, not sleeping, feeling suicidal, self-hate hatred, and alcohol obsession. Those are permanently linked to my drinking, and I understand that, and that's where you need to get. I was always seeking a way to drink without the shame and self-hatred afterwards, but I wasn't choosing to feel that way. I wasn't choosing to drink 100 drinks when I was actually trying to moderate. Because we aren't choosing those consequences, there will never be a strategy, enough practice moderating, or enough non-drinking time to make the consequences go away. So take some time today to reflect on the consequences from your drinking and ask yourself, are you actually trying to be sober? Or are you just trying to find a way to drink without the consequences? Every single time I said that I wasn't going to drink and then 
I did. I beat myself up for it. But looking back, I wasn't actually trying to not drink. I was just trying to drink without the consequences. So we need to stop beating ourselves up for going back to drinking when our true intentions were always to drink. People have been trying to figure out how to drink without the consequences for thousands of years. Surely, if it was possible, someone would have figured it out and monetized it. I would have given all of my money for my entire life to learn how to drink without consequences. If you're kinda trying not to drink, but really you are holding on to the hope of drinking again someday, then that's something that's really important to recognize. You're beating yourself up for not doing something that you don't fully wanna do. And it takes time to go from questioning your drinking to committing to not drinking anymore. And if you're not at that part of your journey yet, then keep hanging out with me. It helps to expose yourself to content like this and open your mind to the possibility that sobriety might not be as bad as you think. So please keep going. I know that you can do it. And I will talk to you next week. I'm Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.